0: More than a pleasure to have back uh, in the house, uh, Scott Paul. Hey, Scott, good afternoon. Happy Tuesday.
1: Hey, Leslie, happy Tuesday. Right back to you.
0: Well, I just mentioned that uh, Donald Trump would uh, be in uh, Wisconsin. Uh, As a matter of fact, today he visited uh, Waukesha County Technical College in Wisconsin. He also was uh, uh, assisted with that by Labor Secretary Acosta and his daughter Ivanka Trump. Um, I I, want to talk about what he is talking about and what it means, because the president plans to talk about workforce development. Uh, That's the plan. What is their plan?
1: Leslie, it's a good question, and you know, I think so far in this administration, if we've learned one thing is that the plans aren't terribly detailed. Uh, the tax plan on one page is a great example of that. And with respect to workforce development, I know that there's a desire on their part to increase the number, of apprenticeships, uh, which is basically uh, earning while you're learning. Uh, So, you know, what what we used to call kind of like on the job training, but in a, in a more formal aspect. So there's a desire to do that. Um, the president uh, has said he wants to do that. I know that Ivanka uh, has been persuaded, uh, and I think rightfully so that it's it's a meaningful way uh, to provide a career pathway for uh, the majority of Americans uh, who aren't going to uh, get a four years four year college degree. Um, that said, when you look at another Document, uh, the budget, um, there's not a whole lot of evidence that uh, the administration believes you have to uh, invest uh, federal dollars into workforce development uh, uh... programs and uh... many of these programs uh... would actually face drastic cuts uh... if if this budget was was passed uh... by the house and the senate i i don't know what will happen down the road uh... and if you'll see these kinds of cuts uh... but even the types of programs that the the president is visiting Today in in Wisconsin, uh, they'd face cutbacks and they'd have to try to find another way to uh, make up those resources either through this state. Uh, and when you have a, a governor like Scott Walker or some of these other governors, that's unlikely to happen. Uh, or uh, increasing student fees um, or or student debt. So it's it's a it's definitely a major challenge. And while there's a a, a great desire to improve. Workforce development and apprenticeships. Um, uh, from from an investment perspective, um, there, there's a there's a there's a there's a gap uh, between uh, the idea and the execution here.
0: Uh, Donald Trump, famous for the show The Apprentice, uh, talked about apprenticeship programs. Uh, one of the things that it seems the administration wants to focus on is streamlining current federal job training programs and expanding apprenticeship programs. Do we have any more specifics uh, than that, than than just, uh, you know, a lot of uh, – you know, uh, verbiage from the president, and and if so, what, what is your take? You know, on an apprenticeship and expanding apprenticeship programs, yet uh, you know, streamlining the current federal job training programs.
1: Well, I would say that you know, there there are. There are a number of different federal job training programs. Uh, one could make an argument that some of them could be combined, but by when, when when they are combined, you certainly don't want to reduce the level of services that you're providing uh, for for people, particularly those who have been do- dislocated from their existing jobs. Uh, who desperately need that or, or underserved populations. Uh with respect to apprenticeships, you know, there the Department of Labor has a process for registering apprenticeships and and these these by the way Leslie these apprenticeships are in lots of different occupations. They're they're in healthcare, they're in, in construction, uh they can be in the service industry. Uh, they can certainly be uh in manufacturing as well. So it's not uh, I I don't know what people ha- envision when they when they picture apprenticeships, but it's a lot of these different types uh, of occupations. Uh, To to get a a, a registered apprenticeship, can take a lot of work, and uh, and and that that's something where I agree that the uh, the, the the paperwork, the process uh, could be could could be streamlined um, and made, made a little bit more uh, effective. And there, are, you know, there are a number of state level requirements that different states uh, have. California has different requirements uh, than than say Indiana, um, and so there's some some work that can be done in that sphere, but that's certainly Certainly not uh, the the greatest barrier uh, to get more uh, young people uh, and 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 mid career kind of adults uh, engaged in uh, work based learning uh, opportunities like apprenticeships.
0: You know, and, a, and apprenticeships, quite frankly, are something that at least I remember um, historically when you know my grandfathers were sheet metal workers and they worked in manufacturing um, when. They used to have apprenticeship programs, but I, I, I think some of the best apprenticeship programs they have are through the unions.
1: Yeah, that, that's exactly right, and the you know particularly in the building and construction trade. So you're thinking you know the the carpenters, the uh, the plumbers, um, uh, occupations like that. They have uh, that industry um, and its workers. Uh, you know they invest uh, more than a billion dollars into uh, in, into apprenticeship-style learning, and um, it's it's paid off because you can take someone uh, out of high school uh, who has a high school degree. Uh, there's certainly some uh... some some classroom-based learning uh... and then there's 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 the work-based learning and uh, and it's been uh, it's been incredibly valuable uh... and those are family supporting jobs and it's a great pathway uh... to uh, to a career and 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 that a shining example of how uh... those labor unions uh... and 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 their employers together uh, have uh, have done something uh, and and I would add that they've actually done it um, without a lot of uh, uh, without without a lot of uh, federal financial uh, assistance uh, along the way uh, as well and there are examples in the industrial space as well the steel workers uh, and Dow uh, have have uh, an apprenticeship uh, program together, uh, the uh, so some of the the, the the automakers in the UAW do, and and certainly the the machinist union uh, and uh, General Electric uh, and, and Boeing are, are other examples where you see this. But that the the labor side uh, has been very engaged uh, in this, and they certainly understand uh, the value. Uh, of, of these apprenticeship programs
0: can you just explain Scott to folks the difference between an apprenticeship and an internship
1: it, it, that, that's a, that's a great uh, point. So an internship, Leslie, is designed to be uh, essentially an educational experience uh, where a uh, you know a, a student, um, it, it's usually uh, you, you know a, along the lines with academic work as well can uh, get immersed uh, in a workplace uh, and it can be professional. It can certainly be uh, in a in a service or a or a manual Manufacturing setting as well, um, and and become familiar with the type of work. Um, and and while they aren't performing a uh, in, a necessary job function, they're uh... you know they have some uh... they, they gain some knowledge of uh... Of, of what it's like to be in that workplace an apprenticeship uh... is where someone is uh... it, 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 it has a um, uh... you know has as a, as a mentor or a supervisor uh... Is learning a skilled trade um, and this can be anything from, you know, electrical work uh, to uh, 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 becoming an insurance agent or uh, operating a machine, uh, but we'll have to both through uh, putting in the hours and, and, and also demonstrating technical proficiency. Um, uh, 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 achieve some level of certification that they're a full-fledged um, you know, carpenter, uh, electrician, uh, some other type of, of, of skilled trade uh, along the way. And, and the apprenticeship uh, almost always results in, uh, in a transition to becoming a full-time employee. Uh, as well. So I think that hopefully that, that, that helps differentiate uh, this idea between uh, and, uh, an internship, which usually has kind of an end stage to it, uh, versus an apprenticeship, which is a pathway uh, to uh, a direct pathway to, uh, to that career.
0: Okay, 're gonna take a quick break back with our guest Scott Paul president of the AAM back with you. right after this you want to join us 8886-Leslie, Leslie, 888657543. President of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Check out their website Americanmanufacturing.org and follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Paul Aam. Also follow at Keep it made in USA. A lot of great stuff and information you can find out as consumers uh, on that Twitter handle as well. so I encourage you to do that. Um, Scott, um, didn't Trump slash workforce development programs in, in, in his budget? I mean, you talk about that. So is this another doublespeak uh, from uh, the president? And I want to talk about what's, I guess, like you guys wrote, what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly for manufacturing in the proposal, the budget proposal that Trump put forth
1: yeah so it's a great point again there's a there's a there's a tremendous gap between uh, the rhetoric um, on this issue uh, and and what what the funding priorities uh, are uh, with respect to uh, the Department of labor uh... where where a lot of training occurs there's going to be a twenty one percent cut uh... in uh... in, in that budget overall for the department of labor uh... which is which is a a huge cut Um and it, for, for some workforce development specific programs uh the the, the, the the one of the main ways that these these programs get funded is through something called the workforce uh, investment opportunity act uh or wioa as it's called in Washington DC uh which gets cut by uh, about a billion dollars and I, I don't know how you're going to expand um, uh apprenticeships uh work-based learning uh other types of job training Um, if you are, uh, if you are at the same time uh, slashing the funding that's uh, available to do this. And and Leslie, it's the same story uh, for the Department of Education, uh, where there are proposed cuts uh, to career and technical education, uh, although there, there may be some congressional consideration of, uh, of reauthorizing those programs, doesn't mean the money is going to be there for them uh, next week, uh, and and that's. You know that that that's also a, a real blow to uh, to to the uh, on the ground service providers. Those folks who actually do uh, do the training programs uh, for for our, again for our young people, for our adults who are, are dislocated and are looking for another job. Um, so I. There's no guarantee these, these, these funding cuts are going to be enacted, but it's going to be a fight um, just to get back up to level funding, which quite honestly is, is not enough, particularly if we have an ambitious goal uh, to expand uh, apprenticeships into more sectors and to get more people engaged in them.
0: And you, uh, in, in the uh, Alliance for American Manufacturing, the AAM blog, you talk about how it's really ultimately up to Congress and that this budget proposal is pretty much dead on arrival on Capitol Hill, even though he has a majority in both uh, chambers, the House and the Senate.
1: Now, that's that's quite true. Uh, and, and I imagine because there is bipartisan uh, support for, uh, for, for uh, career and technical education, uh, that, that some of that will be scaled back. Um, and, and of course, Leslie, uh, that's if Congress passes a budget at all, which, it, which is obviously still uh, an, an open question um, to see how, how functional they are these days uh but i'm not uh you know i i think that we have to uh you know and we've certainly encouraged our, our supporters and i know other other folks who are really uh interested in boosting um, uh, job training and, and uh, work-based learning programs like apprenticeships uh, to get in touch with Congress and, and make sure that they know that these cuts would have a negative impact on our economy, on our businesses, and on the, 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 the people, uh, the young men and women, who they are supposed to, uh, to aid uh, in, in getting the skills they need to have a family-supporting job uh, and, and, and career opportunities.
0: When we look at what the president uh, proposes and you know what he'd like to do if he was calling the shots by himself, which I'm sure he would like to, but he can't, obviously, because he does uh, have Congress, um, is there anything the president wants to do? I mean, there is a, an exhaustive list of things, I think, that we would need to bring manufacturing to where it was years ago, right, uh, in the future. Um how does what we're hearing um, proposed uh, by the Congress versus what the President has put forth in you know a proposal, if nothing else than you know even just some verbal proposals, How, how does that impact American manufacturing? Because American manufacturing is an area where the United States led for decades and, and I believe could and should lead again and certainly is an area where we could we, we need the job growth with new jobs to be created and jobs to be brought back uh, from overseas. Uh, Marinate on that, Scott. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'll have you answer it on the other side, and we have other things to chat about here on the only True Democracy and talk radio. I mean, the Trump administration is talking about workforce development, what's in their plan. We talked about that, but – Uh, Trump slashed workforce development programs In his budget So what is the good, the bad, and the ugly For manufacturing in his budget proposal And what does Congress want to do I mean, there's a lot of cuts they're talking about And the Manufacturing Extension Partnership Promotes its work We'll be back right after this Scott Paul is the president of the AM Follow him on Twitter at ScottPaulAM Follow Keep It Made in USA At Keep It Made in USA And go to their website at AmericanManufacturing.org Back after this Back with Scott Paul, president of the AAM. Let's take some calls. Going to Georgia on line two is Reggie. Reggie, question or comment for Scott?
1: Well, happy to, to both of you, Leslie lovely and to your guest, Scott, as well. I would just like to know do you think that Donald Trump is, just, is trying to, be, to destroy all jobs in America or just certain ones that he doesn't care about? And, and do you think that President Obama's, shall we say, jobs plan was a much better idea than Trump's is or not?
0: Okay, Reggie. Uh, what do you think, Scott? Could you hear him?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I got part of that. Um, and you know, is he? Uh, you know, I, and I'll, I'll speak to this from a perspective of, you know, tr- you know, wanting to help, um, uh, you know, manufacturing and and factory workers, which is kind of what I know. Um, and he, he, he's talked a lot about uh, the things that he said he would do, you know, bring steel jobs back, bring coal jobs back, uh, look, look out for the forgotten man and woman. Uh, and he and he clearly captured something with that. And I'd also be quick to point out that the concern, you know, the, the, the impact of things like trade on – uh, on manufacturing workers it affects, uh, you know, has, has affected uh, black workers, Hispanic workers, white workers, women, uh, and so it's a diverse array of work- workers who have who have uh, really been been left behind by our, by our trade policies, um, uh, and, and and who could desperately uh, benefit. From apprenticeship workforce training programs, uh, I, th- I think you know my concern at this point. And you know, there's a lot of other things to be concerned about with the direction Washington is heading these days. But my concern specifically about that uh, is there is there still a you, you know there's this gap between um, what what. You know what, what 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 the president has promised, um, uh, and it specifically for manufacturing, and I'll say that on manufacturing, you know, much of which I support this idea, and and a lot of uh, you know, industrial state Democrats do too, from Ch- Chuck Schumer to uh, Debbie Stabenow in Michigan to you know, Sherrod Brown in Ohio and others. Um, uh, but we're, we're, you know, we're still waiting uh, to, to see what this is, and and these cuts in workforce and apprenticeship are another example where there's been this enormous gap uh, between uh, what uh, w- w- what he has said uh, and and what they're trying to do.
0: We have talked a bit about this before and touched upon it, Scott. So I want to switch gears to robots. Uh, Derek Thompson wrote a piece in the Atlantic. So where are all those robots? And you and I talked about how a lot of people think that robots are coming to steal everybody's jobs. As a matter of fact, I taped a TV show uh, that actually didn't get to air because of the terrorist attacks in um, uh, London. Uh, but one of the individuals there was, you know, really helping to perpetrate that myth that robots are coming to steal everyone's jobs. And and that's not the truth, is it? I mean, our, our, you know, we're, machines aren't replacing us. CEOs put greed over people to replace us when they sent jobs overseas, Right.
1: That's right. So, so, Leslie, someday, if you believe the futurists, will approach what they call singularity, and the robots will be smarter than us and will, you know, control civilization. But I think we're a long way off from that, from, from that point, and from like a Terminator Two type of type of type of scenario. Um, but it makes great headlines, right? I mean, it, 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 it's a it's a great you know when you think about in our culture uh, and, and in our film and TV, you know, it it makes a really great this idea of artificial intelligence or or robots kind of taking over the civilization is 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 you know be, ca- captures a lot of emotions and fears. And, and, and there's also a bit of a reality. I mean, it is true that it, in any factory in America, it takes fewer people to do the same amount of work today than it would have uh, 25 or 50 years ago because of improvements uh, in, in both automation uh, and, and improvements in productivity. But, and that will continue. You know, that will continue. We, that, that, that dynamic has been with us for centuries. And the way we've always responded to that has been to seek out new products. So we have entrepreneurs that invent, invent amazing things uh, and, and to, to make them here, to grow our market share, uh, and, to, and, and to make sure that we have good policies to support all of that, that we're selling around the world, uh, that we're servicing our, our own market, that we're uh, inventing new things and making them here. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that that's, so there is what we, you would call job churn. So some people are displaced, potentially, uh, but they're usually rehired uh, and, and they're doing other things and, and, uh, and hopefully they're doing things where they're earning better pay. Uh, but you know, what's actually really changed uh, is not automation, not robotics. It's been that we've had a bad trade situation, Leslie, for the last uh, you know, 17 to 25 years, uh, and that's had a much more profound impact on manufacturing workers than, than, than robots and automation.
0: And why is it that, you know, why is it that people believe, is that what they want to believe? Is that because the, you know, what people are watching on TV and because we are so technology-based?
1: Well, I think that's a great point. And so I think it's much more tangible to see you being replaced by a machine, and certainly people are familiar with that. I mean, you know, a generation ago, uh, we used to get cash from cash tellers, from a person, right? I mean, and, and, and who does that today? Uh, you know, it, it's all from a machine, from an ATM. And so I think the idea that uh, computers, machines, robots are replacing Humans for different types of services uh, and production uh, is very tangible. I think. I think actually thinking about something like international trade is much more complex uh, to them, and it seems like there's probably a lot less that they can, as an individual, that they can necessarily uh, do about it. I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case, but but I think that for a lot of people, uh, that's. That's the conclusion they've come to. So, yeah, if you ask the average person, they're going to think that automation, robotics, uh, is is a is a big uh, is a big challenge. And then they'll hear some economists say that. I know that President Obama actually is someone who believed that automation uh, and technology potentially are much. Much greater potential disruptors uh, for, for our workforce uh, and for our society uh, than globalization and trade. And I, I disagree uh, with, with President Obama on that. I, th- I think we have to be concerned about both, uh, but, but that we've, you know, that the, the technological aspects of this are things we've always adapted to. Uh, in the past. And I'm really confident that uh, we can do it again.
0: Also, if robots are taking jobs, then when we just look at numbers, every time there's a jobs report, unemployment gets lower and lower, and job creation continues to increase more or less month after month. So why are there so many jobs still if robots are taking them?
1: Uh, Which is a very fair point, because We've had this. Uh, we've, you know, the availability of this type of technology has dramatically expanded. Um, we're we're at a very low level of um, of, of unemployment. Um, we still want to get some people back into the labor force. There's no there's no question about that. So we're not a we're not what I would call an incredibly highly functioning labor market yet. But we're we're certainly, uh, you know, well positioned, better positioned than we have been for a long time, uh, and, and it's, been, it's been getting better since, uh, you know, every year since, since 2010, uh, so that spade work was laid a long time ago. Uh, but I, so, so I think the point that some economists make are that, you know, actually there hadn't been enough of, of these job losses. And, and, and let me go back to that ATM example, Leslie, because I think it's a good one. So you would assume because of all those ATMs that there's far fewer people working in the banking industry uh, than there used to be, Um, say, uh, 25, 30 years ago before there was widespread use uh, of of ATMs. Um, And and that's not the case. There are actually as many people working in the banking sector now. They're doing different things. They manage – different types of financial products. It requires a different set of skills. They're not necessarily counting bills out now, but they are developing relationships with customers, trying to provide them with different types of loan services uh, or what have you. And there's a lot of different financial products available now that weren't. Thirty years ago, uh, and and there, you know, there there are fewer branch banks. I, I'm sorry, there are fewer financial institutions than there were uh, a, a generation ago. Uh, but there are just as many branch banks uh, as, as there were. So it's it's not inevitable that even something like an ATM is going to cause a net employment decline uh, in, in the banking industry. It's going to change the nature of work. People are going to need new skills. And, and the same can be said, I think. Uh, in manufacturing uh, for, to, to a large extent.
0: I grew up in Boston where they have, in Cambridge, just over the bridge on Mass Ave, uh, an educational facility you might have heard of. I know you have, Scott. Many people have. It's called MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. You have to be damn smart to get in there. And an MIT econ- econ- uh, economist, excuse me, David Otter, actually, who coined the phrase China stock, he did a TED talk on the uh, devastating effect that trade with China had on uh, millions of American workers. And he's very optimistic about the future of the American job market. And in his TED Talk, he explains that he isn't afraid of of robots. So when you have somebody on this level saying, look, you know, I'm not afraid of robots. And, you know, in his research, his, his expertise, his knowledge just doesn't, you know, find that to bear out to be true going forward.
1: Yeah, Leslie, you're so right about that. And one of his colleagues in this re- research, another another very smart guy, his name is uh, uh, Darren Asimoglu, uh, wrote has, has written also about robots and, and about international trade as as disruptors of the labor market. And so Asimoglu came out with a study that said robots have displaced 670 thousand American jobs. And then, but. And so that was the headline all over the place. It was in the New York Times. It was – I I saw it everywhere. The fine print were – that was over a 17-year period, so from 1990 to uh, 2007. And when you think about the size of our economy and the hundreds of millions of people – uh, where I guess tens of millions of people who work in it. Uh, that's that's actually not a large number. Uh, Asimoglu also did a paper that looked at, along with David Autor, that looked at the displacement of jobs from China, specifically from China, and they found that just imports from China over a much more compressed time period than that 17 years had cost three times as much uh, disruption uh, in the labor market. It had displaced probably uh, at least two million people. Uh, but the headline Writers are like, well, this robots thing, we can we can really, you know, we can really get some some clicks with that, and that's what they went with. Um, when the real research shows that our trade situation has had a much bigger impact uh, in in manufacturing on the number of jobs that are available uh, than than any robot ever has.
0: Also, instead of fearing what may or may not happen with robots, like a robot apocalypse, like in the future. We need to focus on what we need to fix right now. So let's talk about that. Um, I I think two things that you and I have talked about, I want you to talk more about, is the creation of good-paying jobs and addressing another problem people forget is still a huge problem. And that is growing if we don't address it and very negative for the future, and that's inequality.
1: Sure is, and and those those are challenges uh, that we have to tackle head on. And part of that is the having the ability to generate good jobs uh, in our uh, in our economy, and that means the well-paying jobs that we've been talking about in manufacturing, which uh, still pay a premium, uh, depending on the occupation. That's anywhere from eighteen to 38% higher than the rest of the private sector. Uh, That's one of the reasons why these jobs are so important. Uh, Our our economy has been generating a lot of low wage jobs uh, as well. And those are jobs that that, that require uh, fewer skills, but that ultimately aren't going to support a family or a career uh, for that individual's lifetime. And the, the second part of this, and I think this is very important, is how so so what has what shifted and do do workers need uh... better bargaining power um, do do we need to ensure that our federal investments and our tax code are are trying to boost the middle class and those who want to aspire to be in the middle class rather than are giveaways for uh... the wealthiest one percent who if you're going to give them more money that's not going to have the same type of return in terms of jobs and good jobs uh... as 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 more broadly shared programs are and uh... and that's that's a real ongoing concern i think because we have seen uh... that gap uh... for the most part uh, widen considerably uh... and in a country like the united states that shouldn't be the case uh,
0: I, I want to know about the media narrative um, and not not just about uh, the robots, but what is the media narrative regarding, or at least or this administration, about creating good jobs, addressing inequality? In other words, are the media and our government, in a sense, not even knowing perhaps, in cahoots, to focus on something, you know, like, you know, to spread fear, rather than focusing on two areas that something really can be done about, like creating good-paying jobs and addressing inequality?
1: It, the- great point. And I think here's the paradox, because you, you have the president who uh, you know, makes a lot of misstatements and is very hyperbolic. And so he says, I'm going to bring those steel jobs back. I'm going to bring those coal jobs back. I'm going to bring manufacturing jobs back. And, and so when, you know, when, when when journalists and others look at that, they look at it very skeptically, and and, and, and and some you know sometimes rightly so, and, and then they'll you know they'll feed into that narrative and say well yeah it, it's futile to focus on manufacturing because robots and automation are going to take all those jobs anyway, and and, and that's where that, that's where they get stuck in, in in that cul-de-sac that we have to pull pull them out from and say wait that's not the case at all, there's there actually can and should be a bright future. For manufacturing in our country we we have a we have in many ways a comparative advantage we've we've done it well for a century and a half uh, we have a great consumer market here that we can so we could we can sell a lot of stuff to ourselves which is pretty awesome we have access to natural resources uh, and we have you know we we we, we have a we have a great system of education uh, in our in our nation it, it can be better but it's a good foundation and, and so there are a lot of advantages that we have and and so instead of saying well no we're not going to bring those jobs back because Trump, Trump said it, and therefore uh, it's impossible or I'm going to oppose it <laughs> because of that. Uh, we ought to take a look at how we can do that. And and I think that there's a progressive way to do this. And when you invest in infrastructure, when you invest in workforce training programs, when you have a tax code that encourages reshoring, when we have better types of trade policies, I mean, that's the, that's the formula uh, for uh, reducing that gap in, in income inequality, uh, and, and also for holding our own in manufacturing. And it's quite possible to create some manufacturing jobs. We've added about 927,000 manufacturing jobs since, uh, since the first quarter of 2010. Uh, and so it's not inevitable uh, that we're going to lose manufacturing jobs all the time. A lot really does depend on how good the public policy is.
0: Scott, thank you. We love you. Thank you for being with us. Scott Paul, president of the AAM, the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Check out their website, AmericanManufacturing.org. Follow him on Twitter at Scott Paul AAM. Also follow Keep It Made in USA at Keep It Made in USA.
2: Your toes in the sand, an ice cold drink in your hand. Waves lapping on the shore as palm trees sway in the tropical breeze. Sound like paradise? This is winter, St. Pete Clearwater style. With 35 miles of white sand bliss and warm gulf waters, paradise is closer than you think. Visit awardwinningbeaches.com to plan your perfect getaway to St. Pete Clearwater. Voted the best beach in America by TripAdvisor. Want to know the coolest thing about St. Pete Clearwater? We'll give you a hint. It's not the beach. It's Central Ave. This is St. Pete at its funkiest, foodiest, and most fun. It's where street art meets sidewalk cafes and one-of-a-kind boutiques, where everyone is welcome, even dogs, and where the coolest craft breweries meet the city's hottest nightlife. So think outside the beach, get to know St. Pete's coolest street, and experience centralave.com.